This is Packers Now. Kyle Rogers looking. Throws left side of the end zone. Yes! Touchdown! Place for all your Packers news. Lost it over the left side into the end zone. Intercepted! Adrian Get the latest updates on the green and gold. Snap to Aaron Rodgers. Sets, fires, right side. Got Jordan Kelly at the 30. Touchdown! It's always Packers season at Packers Now. Right here, right now. I am your host, Ben Kurkowski, and this Sunday the Packers face off against the Kansas City Chiefs. In this game, the Packers will be without MVP QB Aaron Rodgers. If you don't already know, Aaron Rodgers has tested positive for COVID and because he is unvaccinated, he will have to miss this game and possibly even the next game against the Seattle Seahawks. There have been many takes on Aaron Rodgers over the last several days and how he has handled his decision to be vaccinated or not. And here's the deal. And this is really all I will say. If you have not listened to his interview on the Pat McAfee show to hear his side of the story, please do. I think he did a great job explaining his side of the story in order to help people understand uh, why he chose what he did. If you're reading about his interview from a different source or checking Twitter for blurbs about this interview, that is not accurate and it can be very unbiased information. You need to hear the interview directly from the source without previous biases and hear what he actually has to say. I will say that not everything Aaron Rodgers said in that interview was necessarily helpful for his case, but a majority of it was true and gave us really good insight into what into who Aaron Rodgers is as a person off the field. Personally for me, when I listened to both of Aaron Rodgers' major interviews over the last five months, this one and the one that he had the day he returned to the Packers, They both really helped clear up a lot of false narratives that were being spread about the decisions Aaron Rodgers was making and why he was making them. It is always important to understand why a player is making the decisions they are and to hear directly from them and not through random quotes of theirs on social media. I also think it is important to view players as more than their life on the field. They are a whole person who has struggles even if they make millions of dollars. At the end of the day, when you strip all the money and the fame away from these guys, they are the same as you and me. Whether or not I agree with Rodgers is not important. He is still a person. So I will not be shaming or ostracizing someone for how they handled a certain situation like this. And I hope you guys won't either. So if you can, please listen to those interviews without prior beliefs or biases, including social media, and hear what Aaron Rodgers actually has to say. What this does mean, though, is it gives the Packers an opportunity to watch Jordan Love start his first NFL game. Love is in his second year in the NFL, um, and he took much of this offseason preparing as if he would be the starters for the Packers, starter for the Packers as the situation with Aaron Rodgers' status on the Packers being questionable uh, over the summer. And Love, he really had an up and down offseason to say the least. Sometimes he looked like a real developmental project at the QB position. And then other times he was impressing everybody in in Green Bay. He definitely has the tools. It's just a matter if he can put it all together on the field. 
And Jordan Love actually has had an opportunity to play earlier this season against the New Orleans Saints in week one. And after the game uh, was much out of hand for the Packers, he got to play in a very limited fashion, but he actually looked solid on those 15-ish plays. He pushed the ball downfield. He showed off his cannon of an arm. He made some big-time throws, but also at the very same time, he made questionable decisions as well. And that kind of is what defines who Jordan Love is. He's a... Uh, on only eight pass attempts, he had seven completions, one big-time throw, one turnover-worthy throw as well. And so, really, if you're comparing Jordan Love to Green Bay quarterbacks, he is definitely more of the gunslinger type like Brett Favre was than the safe QB that Aaron Rodgers has been throughout his career. The one big advantage that the Packers have with Jordan Love at QB is that they won't have to change their offense for him. Love has all the tools that Aaron Rodgers has, even probably is a little bit more athletic in this point at this point in both of their respective careers, being Love being so young as he is. Um, the thing that Love is missing that Rodgers has, though, is his brain. We saw quotes of what kind of keeps Love from thriving is that his ability to communicate quickly at the line of scrimmage and get the Packers into the right play as time is expiring. That is something that Love just hasn't fully grasped yet, and which is understandable. You, you can't do that unless you have tons of practice, tons of time, tons of experience, which Rodgers does so well, even if sometimes it does lead to the Packers taking timeouts consistently on offense each week when it's not ideal to do so. I don't want to put too much pressure on Matt LaFleur and offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, but they both of these guys really have to prove that they are really as good as they are without Aaron Rodgers in this game. They have something to prove here. Over their career in Green Bay thus far, they have been able to have Aaron Rodgers on the field to clean up any bad play calls or to read the defense and adjust accordingly. But now with an inexperienced quarterback like Jordan Love, their creativity and play calling will truly be tested in this game. Luckily for the Packers, they should be getting a lot of players back healthy for this week's game. David Bakhtiari may play this week, which will be a huge boost for the Packers and our offensive line. The question will be where they will move Elton Jenkins to if Bakhtiari does return. Billy Turner has played solid at right tackle all year. Um, and so I feel I feel like they will probably keep Billy Turner at that right tackle position. But it does mean they will most likely have to replace one of their interior players with Elton Jenkins. Personally, to me, Royce Newman truly seems like the correct answer of the three guys to replace. Um, Newman has clearly been the worst and is the lowest graded player on the Packers offense other than receiver Juwan Winfrey with a 47.3 overall grade according to PFF this season. It's a lot to ask any uh, rookie offensive lineman to come in and play solid, but Newman has not played very well at all this season and we need to have the best five, five offensive linemen on the field and Newman right now is not one of them over the course of this season. And so with Bakhtiari's return, that should improve our entire offensive line on two spots. And then after that, the Packers will also have Devonta Adams, Alan Lazard, and possibly even MVS back for this game on Sunday. Having our top trio of receivers plus Randall Cobb will be absolutely important if the Packers truly are going to be able to stick in this game on Sunday. And if there is almost any defense you wish Jordan Love could start his first game against, it would be the Chiefs defense in 2021. The Chiefs have the 28th ranked defense in the NFL, according to PFF, and have the worst run defense in the entire NFL. 
They the Chiefs are giving up 4.6 yards per carry this season, and the Packers have one of the best running back duos in the NFL right now and are coming off a week where they gain more yards after first contact than they did before first contact. A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones worked the Cardinals' defense last week, even though the Cardinals were beating our offensive linemen up front throughout this game. And now the Packers are facing an even worse run defense. The Packers should be able to run all over the Chiefs, and they need to handle this game similar to last week's in that they want to limit the offensive possessions that the Chiefs uh, receive the football and the time that the Chiefs have the football. The Cardinals last week only had three offensive possessions where they scored um, because they only had eight offensive possessions total. Um, And that was because the Packers put together these long, methodical drives, a very balanced attack that didn't even ask very much from Aaron Rodgers. And that same type of game plan has to be ready to go for this week's game against the Chiefs if we are going to win. The Chiefs defense did just make an improvement, though, in their pass rush over the first eight weeks of the season. The Chiefs actually had the 31st ranked pass rush in the in the entire NFL, so one of the worst. But that was with Chris Jones, one of the best interior defensive linemen in the NFL, trying to win off the edge for the Chiefs. He is not a typical edge rusher. Uh, and this week... The Chiefs made the best trade they possibly could have. They gave up just a six-round pick for edge rusher Melvin Ingram of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and this was a steal of a trade for a guy who was actually the 10th best edge rusher in the entire NFL this season, but he was simply traded because he wasn't getting the playing time he desired in Pittsburgh, which is it's maddening to think about when you're that talented and you're just not getting playing time. And I'm sure the Packers honestly would have made this exact same trade if they had not just signed Whitney Merciless off the street. Um, the addition of Melvin Ingram for the Chiefs, though, will make a dramatic change to this entire defense because their inability as a pass rush unit so far this season has put a lot more pressure on their linebackers, on their secondary, and there's just going to be a linear effect that this one move will make to this entire Chiefs defense. And I think you're going to see a Chiefs defense that's a lot better than it has been throughout the year so far. And even over the last few weeks, this defense has improved. They've gotten better players on the field and kind of stopped using certain players who are just awful. Uh, and so we'll, I'm, I'm curious to see what this Chiefs defense looks like this week. Uh, the Packers need to know where Melvin Ingram and Chris Jones are in this game as to not put unnecessary pressure on Jordan Love. We don't have a a lot of data on Jordan Love, but in his final season at Utah, he was awful under pressure. And the exact opposite, when he was kept clean in the pocket, he played at an elite level as a passer when he was kept clean, but it was when he was under pressure that he started to make those consistent mistakes and those turnover worthy plays which cannot happen if the Packers plan on trying to win this game tomorrow uh so if the Packers can keep Jordan Love clean Love should be able to begin to show the NFL why he was a first round pick and this would be huge for the Packers the ideal situation for me honestly is that Jordan Love just plays fantastic in this game obviously everyone wants that but the next most ideal thing would be he plays fantastic. He plays at a, you know, a high 80s grade 
80s grade overall, and then we don't see him play again the rest of the entire NFL season. Because what that does is it gives the Packers options at the end of the season. Yes, obviously one of those options is to trade Aaron Rodgers and move on to the Jordan Love era. But everyone knows that. But I think a different option that not many people are considering is trading Jordan Love. Jordan Love is a real asset if he lights it up in this game, especially if they win. There will be a riot throughout media blowing up just how good Jordan Love is. You know, the Packers should move on from Aaron Rodgers right now. And Aaron Rodgers is uh, a, a whack job and he shouldn't even be playing in the NFL anymore. And Jordan Love should start all these t- terrible, t- terrible, terrible takes will start to occur. But if Jordan Love does play well, he does light it up and then he doesn't play the rest of the of the year, the NFL will see that potential and they could run away with it. Okay. This year's rookie QB class is nothing to be desired. There are no QBs who look like they will even be ready to start in 2022, 2022 in the NFL. And that's pretty scary for a team deciding whether or not they would like to draft one of these QBs in the first round and hand them the future of their team, uh, to one of these rookie quarterbacks moving forward. And this rookie QB class looks nothing like last year's, okay? Even Mac Jones would probably be one of the top quarterbacks in this class. He would probably be drafted number one overall. But, uh, and he was not a for sure thing. He was a guy that many teams were afraid to draft because he was limited athletically. And, and so I just feel like a lot of NFL teams are going to be a little scared of this QB class. And we're going to see that over the draft season, over the off season. And so if Jordan Love plays well, they see what he can do with a a fine, not good Packers offense by any means. They can realize he's developed behind Aaron Rodgers for two years and still has three years left on his rookie contract with that fifth year option. That might be worth it for a team to come in and try to trade for Jordan Love and put all their chips in for this guy as he could be a safer bet than drafting one of these upcoming rookie QBs. Just think of all the teams right now in the NFL that wish they had an upgrade at QB come next season. Okay, Ben Roethlisberger could easily retire next year for the Steelers. The Browns show that they might move on from Baker Mayfield because I really don't think Baker Mayfield's worth it. The Texans need a QB of the future because Davis Mills is not the guy. The Broncos know they can't win a Super Bowl with either Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater. The Eagles are not sold on Jalen Hurts. The Washington football team has found out that Taylor Heineke is just a worse version of Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is about to limp into retirement. The Giants may move on from Daniel Jones. The Lions need a QB for the future. The Saints do, and the Panthers do as well. Right there are 10 teams who are QB needy teams heading into this offseason. And the draft is an unknown with these rookie QBs coming in. And yeah, there's going to be a lot of free agent QBs, but none of those guys are going to take you over the top. There's no hidden prospect um, out there like a Ryan Tannehill, like the Titans got a few years back and then he just lit up the league after that and has played extremely well. There's, there's nobody like that. Maybe I would consider Daniel Jones as a guy I would bet on. He hasn't had a good situation in New York. Um, and so, but still, that's only one free agent quarterback. That still leaves nine teams in this spot of having no idea who to actually put at quarterback. And we know if you do not have a rookie contract quarterback who is playing good or an elite quarterback, you will basically not win a Super Bowl. You will basically not be able to get to the Super Bowl. No team has really done it over the last several years. 
the teams that have have definitely not won the Super Bowl. The only teams that have made it are teams like the Rams with Jared Goff didn't win the Super Bowl, and the teams like the 49ers with Jimmy G did not win the Super Bowl. Okay, you can. There are teams that have put together perfect seasons to get to a Super Bowl without elite quarterbacks, but um, they've been rookie contract QBs, cheap QBs, or they've gotten pretty darn lucky, uh, like the Philadelphia Eagles. And you just can't bet on luck if you're going to try to win a Super Bowl. And so, I think we are going to see a lot of teams because there's 10 teams going into this offseason who need to figure out their quarterback position. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of teams make some crazy decisions, give up a lot to even try and get mediocre quarterbacks this offseason. And I think the Packers will have an option to jump at one of these opportunities and maximize Jordan Love's value. And there's a real chance Jordan Love does look good in this game because other than Chris Jones and Melvin Ingram, there's not a ton to be excited about about this Kansas City Chiefs defense. Their linebackers have been awful. Daniel Sorensen, 35.5 overall grade. Ben Neiman, 39.7 overall grade. Anthony Hitchens, 35 overall grade. And then two guys who have played more over the last few weeks, Nick Bolton, 59.7 overall grade. And then Willie Gay Jr. has actually played the best of all these linebackers. He's started to play a lot more snaps over the last few weeks as well, um, who has... And so Nick Bolton, Willie Gay Jr. have been upgrades for the Chiefs defense. Um, and so we'll, it'll be interesting interesting to see who actually plays in tomorrow's game. And if any of those other three guys are on the field, we have to attack them, force them to make plays because they simply just can't. They are very bad players who should not be playing in the NFL. If the Packers and Jordan Love are going to put points up on the board, they have to attack this weak group of linebackers because Honestly, the Chiefs secondary is surprisingly average to solid so far this season, even though this is the 28th best defense in the NFL, according to PFF. And they have a solid safety uh, duo at with Juan Thornhill and Tyron Matthew. And they actually technically have the third best coverage cornerback in the NFL this season with Rashad Fenton, a former sixth-round pick in the 2019 NFL draft. Um and he is uh, going to make this a much tougher defense to face up against than it probably seems like at first glance. And so this is not the easy defense that it kind of seems like it has been. Uh, but uh, so it'll be interesting to see how Jordan Love and the Packers do tomorrow. And the Chiefs have struggled this year overall. But in no world is this a team the Packers can make mistakes on or we will get walked all over on in this game. And honestly, to the Chiefs, this is a game now with Aaron Rodgers out that they are marking this as the get-right game. They're they're like, hey, we're going to come in here, and this is going to be the start of our Super Bowl run, and we're going to beat the Packers 40-3 to or something like that. This Chiefs team is very top-heavy, and yeah, when this offense is not doing well, they are going to struggle to win games, and that's kind of what has happened this year. But this Chiefs team has gotten extremely unlucky. They've turned the ball over more than any other team in the NFL this season. They have 17 takeaways after the first eight games of the season, so averaging almost two a game. And with those kind of turnover numbers, it's hard for any team to win in the NFL. And those numbers are going to begin to come back down to earth. Fumbles and weird plays are not consistent things that happen to teams over long lengths of time. Interceptions can be for some quarterbacks, though, but that's not the case we can see here with Patrick Mahomes. So... Patrick Mahomes has struggled 
uh, to say the least to start the season, but he's still been a solid quarterback. In 2021, he, he has had 12 turnover-worthy plays, and he's gotten picked off 10 times. So that's an insanely high percentage of turnover-worthy plays that actually turned into interceptions. If we look at the data from last year, it's not that much different of a quarterback um, in Patrick Mahomes. He only had uh, 35% of his turnover-worthy throws turn into interceptions last year. So a f- about a 50% increase of his turnover-worthy plays have actually turned into turnovers. Um, so Mahomes has always been a risky, aggressive quarterback. And here we just see Mahomes just keeps flipping the wrong side of the coin and getting pretty unlucky. Uh, Mahomes is still an amazing, remarkable quarterback. Not many QBs have done what he has done and put together three elite seasons in a row. That's exactly what he has done from 2018 to 2020. And you cannot sleep on this team just because their current record is 4-4. Four and four. This team is a 10-point favorite over the Packers right now, obviously with Aaron Rodgers out. Um, uh, but uh, this Chiefs team, yeah, they have not looked the same as they have in the past, but they've also played a really good schedule so far. The teams that beat them are some of the best teams in the AFC, like the Ravens, like the Bills, like the Titans and the Chargers. Those are tough games. And these teams also, every team that ends up playing the Chiefs, they play it like it's the Super Bowl. They have these incredible game plans because they know what it takes to beat a team like the Chiefs. So I truly don't believe you can treat the Chiefs entirely like they have played so far this season with the bad luck they have faced. And we need to go into this game ready to play a top team in the NFL or we will lose this game, especially now with Aaron Rodgers out, by 30 points. And it's going to be tough to win on the road in Arrowhead, especially after such a high the Packers experienced last Thursday. Offensively for the Chiefs, this is a very similar offense to the one they have had over the last few seasons. They still have Patrick Mahomes, who just hasn't been close to the player he has been the last three seasons. He has a 70.3 passing grade this season. Uh, and over the last four games, he's not even had a passing grade above 65. I'm not entirely, not entirely sure why that is, but at first glance, it seems to be that this, this team is very much too top-heavy. They have elite players in Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, who are some of the best at their respective positions in the NFL. But after that, this offense lacks any other sort of reliable players, whether it's at running back, receiver, tight end. None of these guys really bring much to this offense overall. And it really comes down to three players similar to the Packers at times, honestly. And teams seem to be beginning to figure out ways to stop Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey and forcing Mahomes to win in other ways with other players. And that just hasn't worked at all yet this season as none of these other role players have stepped up in the spotlight. Like a few years ago when Tyree Kill or Travis Kelsey would be bracketed in coverage, so double covered basically, what would happen for the Chiefs and they would continue to have success was because a guy like Sam Watkins would then have a breakout game and just go off. But that hasn't happened yet from anybody on this Chiefs roster other than Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. This is why having depth and plenty of offensive weapons is so important. Honestly, you could argue even more important than your offensive line even. The Chiefs easily have a top five offensive line in the NFL. They are the seventh highest pass blocking unit and they have the second highest run blocking unit in the entire NFL. Yet, um, the Chiefs... uh, even though the Chiefs invested a lot of resources into this offensive line, 
over the offseason, it really hasn't done that much to help their offense improve from last season. It actually seems like it has gotten worse. And the Chiefs drafted super well. Um, They invested two amazing picks that the Packers easily should have made uh, as well, um, but they didn't. They drafted Creed Humphrey in the second round at center center, uh, after the Packers drafted Josh Myers in the second round. Uh, And Creed Humphrey has been the best center in the NFL, a guy I wanted the Packers to draft, and they didn't. He's playing at an elite level, a 90.7 overall grade. Amazing center that they've had, and they've drafted very, very well. And then in the sixth round, they drafted Trey Smith, the seventh best guard in the NFL right now, a guy I would have drafted way before I would have drafted a Royce Newman or a Cole Van Lannan, uh, who had both the Packers drafted. So, But even though the Chiefs drafted so well, they still honestly made a lot of questionable moves over the offseason, uh, and the Chiefs now are in a very similar situation to the Packers in that they already they have a lot of really good players on their roster, and they're all getting paid big contracts. But even though that was true, the Chiefs decided to invest almost all of their salary cap space to sign an interior offensive lineman in Joe Thune to a contract that gives him $16 million a year. And yeah, Joe Thune is a good offensive lineman, but not worthy of a contract like that, especially considering the Chiefs don't have money to waste on a position that doesn't matter that much. And then on top of that, the Chiefs traded to get left tackle Orlando Brown from the Ravens. They traded a first-round pick to get him, and now we're going to be forced to sign him to a long-term contract. And he also has been playing solid to good this season, just like Thune has, but not deserving of that kind of move, especially considering the financial implications that move will make for their future as well. So, for example... So the Chiefs just have made questionable offseason moves. They drafted really well. The, the draft is fine. How they handle the draft is great and fine. But what they did in the offseason by signing Jothini, by trading away a first-round pick for Orlando Brown and now needing to sign him to a long-term contract, they could have handled that in an entirely different way. With $16 million, you could have signed Will Fuller to the team, had a true number two receiver to pair up with Kelsey and Tyree Kill, take some of the pressure off these two guys. And because we've seen this controversy play out itself out in Cincinnati, people couldn't decide, hey, is top offensive lineman prospect Penny Sewell or Penny Sewell or Jamar Chase the right choice? And Jamar Chase was clearly the right choice in Cincinnati. Having a top receiver is much more impactful to your team than having a top offensive lineman. You can replace offensive linemen. It's hard to replace a top receiver. And not only that, but the Chiefs would have still had about $3 million more to work with had they signed uh, Will Fuller instead of Joe Thune. And then they could have used that $3 million to sign a Jason Peters or an Alejandro Villanueva and had a average to solid left tackle while still keeping a first round pick, which then they could have invested in an edge rusher that this defense is seriously missing so much that they tried moving their best player in Chris Jones to play edge and they were wasting his talent on the edge all season so far because that's not what's best for him. That's not how he's most impactful to the game. And Uh, there were guys like Joe Tryon, Gregory Rousseau, who would have been great picks for the Chiefs, not only now, but for their defense, but for the future too, as these guys have the potential to be special edge rushers in the NFL. And so there were definitely some questionable decisions this offseason the Chiefs made to shore up this offensive line, very aggressive strategies, strategies 
that just were not worth it, to say the least. And that's a big reason why the Chiefs are currently struggling so far this season. I think another thing that is really bringing this offense down has been the health of head coach Andy Reid. He has had some health struggles, and I truly don't believe uh, his health has allowed him to really run this team as well as he has in the past. And it's led to a lot less receivers being schemed open, which makes Patrick Mahomes' job at quarterback that much harder. So this Chiefs offense, even though it has struggled, is still very good. And our defense is going to have to come ready to play or the Chiefs will really make this Packers defense pay. pay. This is still an offense that has scored the 10th most in the entire NFL. And our defense is going to have to hold the Chiefs to 21 points or less if the Packers truly have a chance of winning this game. Luckily, the Packers do have some bright spots on this defense, which are really starting to come together. The combination of Rasul Douglas and Eric Stokes, our top two corners, have really stepped up our coverage unit big time. The Packers actually have someone with speed to try and stay with Tyree Kill in this game with Eric Stokes. And Rasul Douglas should be able to match up with whoever else the Chiefs send out there on offense. Kevin King should be back for this game as well. We might even see Kevin King play in the slot, which could add more speed to our secondary in replacing Chan Sullivan in the slot. But even Chan Sullivan has had a good four weeks of football overall in coverage in the slot. So that so the Packers should be fine when it comes to their cornerback group. Hopefully, the Packers can continue to use a lot of two safety deep looks with Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos, who have both been solid this year and kind of continue to prevent those big chunk plays down the field. Um, it's been the methodical drives that have been tough for the Chiefs who like to win with huge plays down the field. So if we can force the Chiefs to make those long methodical drives, that might continue to make it difficult for this Chiefs offense to put full drives together. There's going to be no point of blitzing Mahomes again, similar to Kyler Murray last week, because he plays the same pretty much when blitzed and when not blitzed. And so we're going to need to continue to have big games from guys like Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, and Whitney Merciless from our front four. These front four guys have to win on their own without blitzing, and they have to win their matchups, which is going to be tough because this is a a top offensive offensive line in the NFL that the Chiefs have. And Devondre Campbell in the middle um, has got to be continue to play at an elite level as the top linebacker in the NFL. He has to be able to stop this running game for the Chiefs because the Chiefs rushing attack has aver- actually averaged the seventh most yards per rush attempt this season. And the Packers, these front five guys, those the Rashawn Gary, the Kenny Clark, the Dean Lowry, Whitney Merciless, Devondre Campbell, they have to be able to stop the run and put the Chiefs in third and long scenarios, and the Packers may stand a chance in this game. And they, similar to last week's game against the Cardinals, it looked like the Packers were going to be outmatched uh, with that Cardinals offense versus our Packers defense. But they put Kyler Murray and the Cardinals in awkward situations, third and long situations. They put them in situations where they were not allowing big plays down the field, and they were able to get pressure with just those four guys. If the Packers can do that in this game, it might slow down this Chiefs offense again this week. This game overall doesn't look too good for the Packers. We all wish we could have seen Aaron Rodgers face off against Patrick Mahomes, but that's not what we're going to get in this game. But hopefully the Packers can make the most out of it. 
It's going to be hard to watch guys I loved in the draft continue to play so well for the Chiefs, like Creed Humphrey, like Trey Smith, and I hope the Packers can really just stay healthy in this game. Nobody expects the Packers to win this game, and if we lose, it sucks, but it's but it's to be expected. I hope, though, Jordan Love does look special out there in tomorrow's game, is the Packers can create a turnover or two And if Matt LaFleur can reel in Jordan Love and keep him from turning the ball over in this game, the Packers do actually stand a chance. The Packers need to rely on the ground game, similar to last week, have a very balanced attack, and the Packers have to get the ball and score first in this game. The Packers cannot get behind, or it could be bad news for the Packers really quick in this game. This is truly the chance for Matt LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett to truly make their marks as offensive geniuses and seen as the best in the NFL. If the Packers actually did steal a win from a team like the Chiefs tomorrow, this would be the team that everybody would be picking to go to the Super Bowl. So we'll see what happens tomorrow at 3 o'clock. So that's all I have today, folks. Make sure to stay tuned for more episodes of Packers Now. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe. Give me a review so I can hear what you guys think about the podcast and tell your friends about Packers now so that they can get all the latest updates on the green goal because it's always Packers season at Packers now. Thanks, guys.